of losing money in the stock market roller coaster? Frustrated with the government taxing you into oblivion? Worried about inflation? How do you prepare for so many financial uncertainties? Welcome to the show that will help you develop your game plan. The Financial Quarterback with Josh Jelinski. Josh is a noted financial advisor and president of the Jelinski Advisory Group. And he's here to answer your questions. Call into the show at 800-321-0710. 800-321-0710. Now let's kick off your financial future. Here's Josh Jelinski. Hi, everybody. This is Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback, and we are live taking your calls. So if you have a question for Barry Dyke, author of The Pirates of Manhattan, what does the Shohei Otani transaction have to do with your annuity? We'll talk about that with Barry Dyke and more on crypto and the sham coins that screwed people out of millions. So, Barry, uh, you're working on two books. Talk to us about the books, but first, for those who are not familiar with your work, describe who you are and what prompted you to be a bit of a financial crusader. You know, we go back ways, Josh, written three books, The Pirates of Manhattan, uh, the first one, which came out in 2007, which explained why, you know, banks are unstable and why <clears throat> mutual funds don't work. And that that's I've sold that in 23 countries now, sold like 30,000 copies. And then I came up with the second book. Pirates Manhattan two about target date funds, which are the you know primary um, investment for four uh, one k plans, which really don't work at all. And then I uh, came up with the third book, Guaranteed Income, in let's see two thousand fifteen about using annuities for retirement plans. And and uh, as you know, my friend Dave Walker was the uh, who was the former head of the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation and um, and uh, Department of Labor and a whole bunch of other things. He actually wrote the forward to it. And then more recently, uh, you knew I was in that uh, movie, The Baby Boomer Dilemma, about how to have a safe retirement income. And so um, make a long story short, I'm in the process of actually the first manuscript. I'm releasing two books in 2024. The first one's going to be called uh, Buybacks, Cryptocurrencies, Unicorns, and SPACs. And if we can discuss that, if you'd like. And then we'll, the second book will be called The Pirates Manhattan, Three Mercenaries of Debt which we'll talk about the the problem with private equity in the retirement space. I'm, I'm really happy to do that. It's been a long, long haul, Josh. Very long uh, works on that book. I've actually been working on it since 2009. So any event, uh, it's always uh, good to see you and always good to hear a guy like you and getting the word out there and helping people tell people the truth because you're not going to hear it generally from the mainstream media unless they hear from a guy like you. So let's talk about SPACs and all those things. But first you said banks, your first book, you summed it up as the banks have problems and mutual funds have problems. Has anything changed for the better? It's gotten worse. Since you wrote your book. <laughs> no, it's actually gotten worse, unfortunately. How could it have gotten worse? Well, when you, when you think of the insanity, Josh, uh, of the cryptocurrencies, for instance, um, FTX is kind of like the poster child of uh, which is uh, on the book, which will be released in, in several months. It's, it's actually done. When you look at the, the craziness of someone like FTX, which was uh, had these major institutional investors like uh, SoftBank in it and Toma Bravo and Tiger Global Management. I mean, they put $1.6 into this thing. And then they lured in like $8, 9000000000 billion of commercial money, customer deposits and this stuff. And it's an incredible scam. And it got worse. And so point is, is that um, 24 months ago, Josh, if you talk about cryptos, the you know, cryptos were the greatest thing since sliced bread, but it just it's just another bubble from Wall Street. And so we're probably going to see something like that with artificial intelligence. I mean, I think AI is here. But so we've seen the scams. With the, the cryptos were, were incredible scams. And so I've, and I've got a, uh, all the ones that went bankrupt. I'd say probably 80, 90 percent of the companies have gone bankrupt. And others will some will probably survive, but for the most part, uh, retail investors really got really burned on these once again. Now more than ever, Josh, they have to return to the fundamentals. But talking about safety and saving, and you know, love and caring a family, and, and doing the right thing is kind of obsolete in this country, and um, it shouldn't be. So, what do you do? A lot of people might have come to you, clients, listener, friends, viewers, say, "Hey, Barry, what do you think about?" this crypto. Are there any cryptocurrencies you like? 
and we're not giving investment advice, but any that you think will will last. No, no. I mean, I, well, yeah, and I'm RA, you're an RA, whatever, and people who have to look to talk to their own advisors about this stuff. I mean, who knows? I mean, this is this is the craziness, Josh. I mean, 26, 27 months ago, was what was Bitcoin trading at? 66,000 a coin? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And, and, and then, um, you know, all the institutions were endorsing it. And by the way, it's, and I have, it's all a matter of fact that all the major financial institutions were endorsing crypto coins from the banks to the, to the mutual fund companies. And I've got it all documented because I wouldn't say any of this stuff unless I could document it. But they're endorsing all this stuff when Bitcoin was 66,000 bucks a coin and then it plummeted to uh, $20,000, $18,000 a coin. I mean, that's it's lunacy. But I mean, would you distinguish between Bitcoin and others, the so-called coins? And and maybe we should leave that out. I don't. We're a family-friendly show, but they would classify, you know, Solana. Like if you go to Coinbase.com, they have a list of them. I mean, Shiba Inu was a joke. I mean, what what even is that? It was a meme. That's that's what I mean, Josh. All I know is look at the facts. Let's look at the, the the guy Mike Novogratz. You know, he was the old Goldman guy, and he ran a hedge fund, Fortress Investments, which got purchased by SoftBank. That blew up, you know. And you get you get he said you get everyone's gonna buy a Terra uh, Luna a USD, whatever it was. Yeah, Terra Luna. That was a big one. Yeah. Yeah, and it, and it went to zero. I mean, how crazy it is. I mean, and, and you, you think about it, and um, in September of 2022, I mean, David Rubenstein's having um, Sam Bankman Fried on as, as a guest, you know, and they're kind of all genuflucking down to, oh, Sam, Sam, you're so, so smart. And it was just, it was just a big freaking scam. And so my, my point is the wholesale endorsement by even the media. I remember doing this uh, financial plan for a client a couple of years ago, and Said bear, I really like you, but I'm sticking with my Bitcoin. And I think um, I don't know. I haven't talked to the guy since, but I think he lost three, four hundred thousand. And so, in any event, so th- this is the kind of thing we're seeing. You have something like Bitcoin with there's no central bank backing up. There's no regulation. There's no reserves. It's wholly embraced by the media. Well, I still I would I would distinguish Bitcoin, which is programmatic. There's a fixed value. There's an inelastic supply. So, for example, Dogecoin, that's a joke. There's 142.2 billion coins in circulation. But that, this is kind of crazy. Dogecoin is one of the top 10 cryptocurrencies. So I think it's a good point that you have these central actors off of them. Some of them former Goldman guys. Some of them, you know, Wall Street pirates of, you know, Pirates of Manhattan 20 years ago, then they showed up and they raised money almost like an investment. And Chairman Gensler wanted to, you know, say some of these guys were involved in securities. It's probably worse than securities. It's probably theft. It is. It is is theft. But I would distinguish Bitcoin from the bunch because you have a fixed supply and you have 68, 70,000 miners. You have consensus proof of work, proof of stake, you have all that stuff. You don't really have that with some of these other ones. And people say, what about Ethereum? I don't even like Ethereum because Vitaly, the CEO of Ethereum, I like Bitcoin. I, I, I understand its properties. I value it as a digital gold for our times. But if you go to Ethereum, people say, oh, I like Ethereum. Ethereum made Vitaly Buterik or whatever his name is rich. Whenever there's one central actor behind a crypto, I worry about it. I don't think it has any, you know, safety. At least with Bitcoin, you have 68,000 miners and whoever Satoshi Nakamoto is, we don't know who he is. We don't know. It it could be a myth. We just don't know. My my point is, Josh, is that this is some type of uh, system integrity. I mean, how can you trust any of these, these people? And the lunacy, you're talking about your Coinbase, Josh. I mean... But that was a direct listing. And when, when it went public with about 385 a share and, and the insiders that cashed in about, I think they got a, what, like 1.2 billion, 1.6 billion, something stupid. Mm. All right. Now it's 85 bucks a share. Wow. <laughs> you know, so people uh, who want to listen to me, you know, they're just don't take my word for it. Go on, go on um, Yahoo Finance, whatever. This is all true. So my point is, it was this wholesale endorsement. Not just, you know, the banks, but, you know, these mutual fund companies. I mean, it's just crazy. 
the reason I'm passionate about it, Josh, I don't know how you see it from your perspective. Americans' retirement systems are some of the worst in the world. Mm. I mean, I love this country. There's no one who likes this country more than I do, okay? You know, we um, the U.S. stands in the top 20 of industrialized countries for retirement preparedness. I don't know. 19, 18? Yeah, you must have listened to me before. Yeah, we're 19. I think we're, we're sandwiched between Guatemala and, and Hong Kong. And this is Mercer. This is Mercer. Each year, Mercer does a study of uh, the best retirement plans in the world. And we're really kind of in the cellar. I mean, if you really want to have a good retirement, you know, you want to be in living in Norway or uh, Finland or in the Netherlands or Israel or anywhere. I mean, I, I'm just amazed. We're horrible. Wow. And, you know, which which even worse is that, um, you know, where our savings rates, you know, we are in terms of savings rates in the top, say, 30. What? I think we're like around 26 or something like that. The Organization for Economic uh, Cooperation Development, OECD out of Paris. People don't Google it. You know, like a country like Norway, people save about 21% of their GDP. You know what we save in the U.S.? Negative one? I don't know. Well, you're, you know, you're close, one and a half percent. Plus two. I was That was going to be my second guess, plus two. So I was close. So during the uh, the financial crisis, it was actually negative. So the whole thing is the fundamentals, Josh, we don't save in America. We have some of the worst, worst retirement plans. Wow. And they've turned everyone's retirement plan into a casino on wheels. And that's why I'm passionate about it. And that's why I'm coming out with the buybacks and the, and, and the, uh, and the cryptos. And uh, some mutual fund companies are actually allocating a Bitcoin as part of 401k. I don't think it should be in a part of 401k. Mm. A lot of people's money has been allocated to, uh, to unicorns. Well, explain that. How are people's 401ks being allocated to unicorns? You've broken that story over the years. Yeah. It's still to some people... I gave a talk to the ALA, the Accountant Lawyer Alliance, and somebody said, oh, is a Target Mutual Fund a good idea? And I, and I said, oh, well, we got to have Barry Dyke to talk about Target Date Mutual Funds. But it's such a good idea, seemingly, but there's a lot of risk tied up in it. Do you know I looked up the Vanguard 2025 Retirement Income Fund? So you think it's for people retiring in 2025? Do you know it had like 52% in equities? That's awful. And an inordinate amount in international bonds and international stocks. So I guess this is what you're talking about. They're packaging things in these target date funds. They're buying private equity. Exactly. And they're using indexing, you know, using, you know, Obama's research, you know, in a modern portfolio theory. And I'm, I'm a closet indexer myself. But they've taken indexing and it's gone way too far, Josh. You know, it's there's a huge, huge problem. In it. I call them the communist fund. So I think you get to have some type of a hybrid, but they don't work. Well, you have to understand with mutual funds and with and target date funds in particular, that all the investment risk and retirement risk has been shipped on the consumer. Wow. And so, but I think that's going to be changing, you know, because you know what IBM did, Josh? Have you seen, you've been reading the paper lately? Oh, they're going back to pensions, retirement benefit plans. Talk about that because a lot of people don't realize that. And coming up on the show, we're going to talk about what does Shohei Otani and the Dodgers have to do with your annuity? Up next. <laughs> and for those of you who like what you're hearing, get Barry's book, Guaranteed Income. Hey, if you want to buy the book direct, go to barryjamesdyke.com. If you want to learn more about Barry, you can go to barryjamesdyke.com or I'll buy you the book, one of his books free. You got Guaranteed Income, you got Pirates of Manhattan, one or two, and you're coming out with Pirates of Manhattan three, is that correct? Yeah, well, I'm coming out with two books in 24, Josh. One's going to be called Buybacks, Cryptos, Unicorns and SPACs, and the second one will be Pirates of Manhattan three, Mercenaries of Debt. Wow how private equity titans became the new robber barons. Wow. We'll talk about that when we return. This is Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback. Call us right now at 888-988-JOSH for one of Barry's books. Each of them is a gem in their own right. Jay Leno even commented and said, Barry Dyke called it back in 2006. That's when we got to know each other. So it's been it's That's been a right. nice yeah. long relationship. Yeah, I'm very proud of you, Josh. You've come a long way, man. You're you're you you've done a great, great job. Very proud of you. Thank you. Next up, we will take your calls all hour, eight 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 nine eight eight Josh, 
If you want the free book, we'll be back after these messages. And we're back. This is Josh Jelinski with Barry James Dyke of barryjamesdyke.com. So you were talking about everything, but let's talk about, I guess, target date first. I've got all the statistics. Actually, this will be in the Pirates Manhattan free book because they are the core investment, Josh, of retirement plans. I believe target date funds and this Morningstar, they're close to maybe 80% of all new deposits into 401k, and they're horrible. And the people have no protection on them, as you know. Uh, and, and, and the fact of the matter is in, in 2022, average target date fund loss on about 20%, 22%. So it, it's very difficult to make that back up. So the thing is, is that so retirement income is tied to the casino of Wall Street, number one, as a problem, first of all. And then second of all, Americans don't save. So this, there's two major problems. On one of the things which people do need to use is annuities and things like that. And actually, um, I will get into, on, on Pirates Manhattan 3, Josh, I get into how major corporations like IBM, for instance, we just talking discussing uh, IBM or Hewlett Packard or all these other major corporations are using annuities to fund their defined benefit retirement plans. So the fact of the matter is, so what some of these major corporations do for themselves and what they sell to the people are, are two different things. So this is a tremendous, tremendous amount of hypocrisy. Very, very grateful that I can get onto a show like yours and get to tell people the truth. But the thing is, is that people say, well, I don't like annuities. Well, if they don't like annuities, they don't like pensions, they don't like Social Security. I'm sorry. So the thing is, is that people really need to have seatbelts and guardrails around their stuff. And so that's why I'm passionate about it. Unfortunately, Josh, the retirement picture for most Americans is pretty gloomy. So this retirement benefit, they're, they're saying goodbye to the 401k. Or I mean, I guess yeah. they'll have it, but they're not matching it. Yeah. How does the retirement benefit program work? Like a traditional defined benefit plan or no? Well, it's, it's a cash balance plan, as you know, John. So it, it going for a, a money purchased uh, type income type of thing. So, but it with guarantees. And I think the guarantees are going to be based on well, treasuries plus 3% or something like that. I don't have the numbers right offhand. So they're going from a casino 401k type of plan. And they're not just containing the 401k. They're just stopping the match and they're putting the match towards more uh, of a definitive retirement plan. And the reason why I, I say this, because um, I, I've actually had over the number of years, uh, Josh, I've had some high-end engineers and executives who've been clients of mine for IBM, and I've been very familiar with the IBM benefits plan. They're probably one of the most innovative companies in this space uh, when it comes to benefits. And so what I'm saying is that this is something that people need to pay attention to. This is, this is a big, big event. Wow. The, the problem is now is that in America, you know, only in America could you save for 20, 30 years and then within you know five six months, watch your you know thirty or forty percent of your four hundred one k vanish in the market. So I think really, if you recruit and retain the best, a lot of these employers are using this as a retention tool um, to compete for the best people. So the thing is that a four hundred one k does not work. And the irony of the whole thing is is that Josh, you're going to get a kick out of this. A lot of the, the actually the research from uh, from giants, asset managers like BlackRock, which is the largest asset manager in the world actually confirms, uh, I think, 90% of the people in the survey, latest survey they did, people want to have some type of guaranteed income stream for life. So the asset managers themselves, their, their own research, their own research says people want to have an annuity. So the whole thing is that with the asset managers, they want to cut out the Josh's and the barriers of the whole uh, in, the, in the situation where I think they're going to be much better off by using someone like you or myself or whatever, or another advisor. I'll do respect. I mean, you know, who wants to be talking to an 800 number with some 26-year-old kid on the end of the line giving us retirement advice? With all due respect to 26-year-old kids. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Why do you think BlackRock, which is obviously a pioneer in exchange-traded funds and low-cost investing as well as cost funds as well, but they're kind of known for ETFs. Why would they be giving the annuity, the much beleaguered annuity, a hug? Because it works, okay? Because, Josh, I got one for you. I stumped the band one. How much did BlackRock lose in 2022? A lot. How much? I don't know. They had $10 trillion in the end of 21. How much did they lose in, at the end of 22? Uh, $2 trillion. Close. $1.7 trillion. I'm pretty good at these guesses. Yeah. I mean, you've been, you've been doing this for a while, Josh. But my point is, is that the largest asset manager in the world with $10 trillion at the beginning of 21, they lost 1.7 trillion in 22. I, I, I'm not making any of this stuff up, Josh. Um, and so the whole idea of the BlackRock is just an indexer. 
they're riverboat gambler like everyone else. I mean, they have their own private equity firm. This is what be in the Pirates Manhattan 3, by the way. BlackRock's at their own private equity firm. They had that huge um, clothing company, Authentic Brands, which owns Brooks Brothers and Billabong, and you name it, they, they, and Elvis Presley and uh, Muhammad Ali's naming rights. It's just huge. They own that. So they're really big in the, in the leverage buyout space. They also have about 16 major venture capital investments. And they uh, they have actually have a major fund operation business in the UK. And I think the highest paid guy, his name is Alistair something or whatever. The highest paid guy is not Larry Fink. It's a, it's a hedge fund guy in London. Wow. Because uh, other than the uh, U.S., BlackRock's second biggest market is the U.K. And that, that makes sense because, as you know, the BlackRock business is the old Barclays iShare business. That's where you know it all came from. But point of the matter is, Josh, all this stuff, this casino capitalism, uh, people lost a ton of money and, and annuities actually work. Wow. So what do you get for people say annuities are a scam, I fees, the normal, like, I don't like annuities. What, what would you say to people who say that? Then you don't like Social Security and you don't like pensions because that's all they are. So really, you make it simple, distinguish. You're really just buying a guaranteed stream of income. Yeah. And, and again, it's not that annuity is a panacea, Josh, as you know. I was just, I was on the, I had a, a big client of mine call me today. And we were going over, and I was telling him one of the reasons why he should be buying a building. He has a, um, a big stone quarry business and 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 a actually a very successful uh, business. I won't get into it, but in any event, uh, you know, I, I said I think we know I think we should really buy this building because I said you can create an annuity income stream from the passive income. And so I'm not saying that annuities are the end all and be all, but I'm saying because certainly things like um, anything that generates passive income, like a like royalties or uh, rental income, things like that, are really, really good. But what I'm saying is that if you want something idiot-proof for retirement plans, you got to use an annuities. And and the, and the fact of the matter is, Josh, you want to get this? What? This will be in the book. The best retirement plans, like the Netherlands, which is always one of the best in the world, consistently in the top two or three. They're always, always around the top one, two or three. It's mandatory you use an annuity. Wow. That's hard to believe. Well, yeah, I mean, I remember there was a guy, Mark Irie, I think he was the one who was making a big push to add annuities as a part of a 401k plan even. Yeah, so that's part of the SECURE Act, as you, as you know, but the, the actually the literal penetration into the, into the marketplace, Josh, is very, very small. It's about 14%, I believe, of uh, corporate pension plans have annuities right now. Actually, the 403Bs, which are, you know, your non-for-profit, the hospitals, university and things like that, who have uh, the major uh, players like Kraft, who have been doing these things for years. Actually, the, the, the 403B plans are actually much better run than the um, 401K plans from a really track perspective. And uh, I got a bunch of this research from Morningstar. But yeah, so actually 403Bs actually have been very successful. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that the vast majority of Americans are uh, are, are way too much uh, w- heavily weighted into the Wall Street casino, if you will. So what does somebody do? There's this Wall Street casino. It seems like every time I have you on, it gets more depressing. More people are getting screwed now by crypto, SPACs. It seems hopeless. Give us some hope. No, no, it's not. It's not as hopeless, Joe. It's never hopeless, okay? But, you know, I, I always tell people the most important thing in my, and I've said this on national radio and said on your show, my faith is the most important thing. I know you're a good Christian guy, good father and stuff like that. So really, there's always hope. But the light is more important than the darkness. And I think what, you, what you're bringing to the, your listeners, hopefully I'll just a little bit of my work will bring some light to this stuff. I like things that work. And I think people need to have light on these issues. I mean, the gambling is just out of control totally out of control. And Walt Disney uh, must be rolling over in his grave. You know what Bob Iger introduced it into uh, ESPN uh, Sports uh, a month or two ago, Josh? ESPN betting. Because Walt Disney, you know, he wanted to have a family operation and clean, you know, he wanted to get away from honky-tonks and the gambling and all this crap. And because, it, but I don't know, what Disney's share price got hammered, I don't know, lost 50%, I don't know what it was. Yeah, I have seven kids. We have no desire to go to Disney. D- Disney's totally lost 
it's 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 an overpriced amusement park. I'm sure it's fun. I mean, I remember going there as a kid here and there, but yeah, they're now betting, you know, so Mickey Mouse is now have a gambling addiction. <laughs> yeah, so Mickey Mouse meets Sin City. <laughs> you know? Yeah, ESPN bet. Yeah, you're right. When did that come about? I don't remember. I uh, just, you know, I couldn't believe it, but no, I was reading the, because uh, roughly, I think maybe 60 to 90 days, the past 60 to 90 days, Josh. Basically, because Disney stock has been in the toilet because of, I guess, their fight with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and others, they're doing what they can now to encourage you to have a gambling problem. <laughs> That's nice. Here, Here is a good thing. I remember my father, who was not a financial uh, genius by any sense of the word, you know, the, the $2 he would, you know, scrounge up every week to play the lottery. And if people just save that gambling addiction, which can destroy marriages, put it in an index fund, put it in an annuity, put it in something, save it. They would be so much better off than gambling the money. Now it's another thing. Crypto, I remember I talked to a nice dear couple who had 50000 accumulated through their small business. Then two years ago, they put it all in cryptocurrencies, but not Bitcoin that recovered. They put them in the ones that went down like 90% and stayed there. So imagine you and your spouse, newlywed, struggling in your 20s, you're able to cobble together 50 grand by your 30th birthday. They were very proud of doing that. Then in the crash of last year, 50 grand becomes 10. Boom. Money gets evaporated overnight. That's a very tough thing to recover from. And, you know, that's another talk about Wall Street casino, people actually putting it in the casino with ESPN bet. And then People are, are then doing the same thing with crypto. More on crypto, SPACs. Uh, what should our people realize with SPACs, crypto, and the like that you haven't shared so far? I, I've been watching. I don't know if you're, you're in New York, Josh. So I, I've been watching the uh, the WeWork saga. And that, that was just kind of like exhibit A of what not to do. And I, I that was just, that was just uh, the classic SPAC. So... I've researched this, Josh, and this will be on the, this book will probably out around March. But I've discovered oh, there's been over 30 major bankruptcies, okay, major ones, okay, but in the past, I'd say 18 months from SPACs. And of course, the granddaddy of them is the uh, the real estate uh, office sharing company known as WeWork, based in Manhattan, which they put uh, I think SoftBank alone put 16, 17 billion of equity and debt into it. I think there was about 21 billion. Uh, with the B, that's with the B of uh, uh, equity put into it. The company was valued at uh, forty-seven billion in in, uh, in uh, two thousand nineteen, and actually was Morgan Stanley and uh, uh, SoftBank thought it was worth a hundred billion a year prior, and they went bankrupt was it last month. And so the reason why I put that as a, as an example, Josh, because of the uh, there was a lot of retail money put into this from Fidelity, Vanguard, John Hancock, and T. Rowe Price, and so on actually into the WeWork uh, properties. Well, wait, okay. So Fidelity Vanguard, you mean, where do you get that data from and how are they investing in that? Well, you see, this goes back to the jobs after 2012, uh, Josh, where I didn't even figure this out. I said, how do they do this? But the Jobs Act, which was uh, brought about, so uh, companies go public earlier around 2012, but they snuck in this bill that retail mutual fund can actually put up to like 15% of the fund into venture capital. Okay. And, and so exhibit a was kind of, we were, wow. And um, so I've got all the figures on it. Um, Let's use, we work as an example, because I've heard this from you a lot, but I would like to hear some of the data because I'm looking right now. All right, Josh. All right. So I've researched this to death. Okay. So this is, this is, this is kind of like the, the, your audience is hearing this first. It took me a long time to, but I've been looking at this thing for like close to 10 years. But in any event, so the WeWork, okay. Here are the people who are into the WeWork. SoftBank, Goldman Sachs, T. Rowe Price, J.P. Morgan Chase, Honey Capital, Benchmark, Wellington Management, Starwood Capital, Harvard Management, which is the Harvard Endowment, uh, China o Oceanwide, 
Inside Partners, Fidelity, Vanguard, BlackRock, John Hancock, Cushman & Wakefield, Brookfield Asset Management. But which fund? How do I know? If, if I have money with Fidelity, Vanguard, and I don't want to buy that fund. Well, you don't, you don't know because it was the discretion of the manager. So this this is public record, and, and I got this, and, and believe me. No, but is it in like, an, it can't be in an S&P 500 index fund because it was the 500 publicly. No, it wasn't even a public company. So it has to be like uh, the Wellington Fund or something that has a little bit more discretion on the part of the manager or like the Contra Fund, not an index fund. Yes. Yeah, so, so it was the Contra Fund. These are the mutual funds we're investing in. The better the Contra Fund. Now we're testifying in court, so I'm not uh, on this. Uh, the Vanguard U.S. Growth, which is actually <laughs> managed by Wellington. Okay, so Wellington is kind of the back office, as you know, for Vanguard. The John Hancock Fund, uh, the John Hancock Mid-Cap Growth, uh, the commingled fund of the Fidelity Opportunistic, the T. Rowe Price with Jackson National, uh, the over-the-counter T. Rowe Price, T. Rowe Price. So those, those are all, these are all de- definite ones. And they all value this when they, at the purchase price in 2019, Josh, around 54, anywhere from 54 to $69 a share, um, which is worth nothing. And now, now. it's zero, <laughs> right? Now it's nothing, yeah. Adam Newman, what is his net worth now, right? Isn't he? Um, I think it, he's worth a billion and a half. And now he's investing in something for apartment. It's called Flow. I don't know who would give this guy money. Well, this, this is the whole thing, Josh. It's always about using other people's money. So I couldn't believe this myself, but the um, here it is right here. So th- you're hearing it per- first. So how much did he raise for Flow? Flow is his new <laughs> company. So Newman, okay, after he blowing up WeWork, he, get, he, was, he got $350 million from venture capital from Andreessen Hor- Horowitz, which is one of the, you know, the big Silicon Valley heavyweights. Uh, and, to invest in his new company, Flow. So the whole thing is, is that client of mine said it's pretty easy to gamble and it's not your own money. So Andreessen Horowitz, you know, is a you know major investor for you know for endowments and you know public pension plans and stuff like that. So they're gambling with other people's money once again. But you couldn't make this up. Oh but- wow, yeah, look at this. August twenty twenty two, Andreessen Horowitz or A sixteen Z gave its biggest check. For $350 million to Adam Newman to create Flow, an apartment setup. I can't believe this. It's stupid. You follow me? This is, this is. People yeah. are giving this. Okay, I get the first thing because WeWork was, you know, very woo woo and you'd go and it would be like Regis, but Kumbaya, you know, and you'd have beer and uh, wine and it, it was like a communal experience for work and play and they'd have plants everywhere and it was beautiful i get that they were trying to transform work environments so then he took this money and he bought at the height of the market a 639 unit this is from thehustle.co adam newman's apartment setup is here he bought a one billion dollar apartment complex in fort lauderdale yeah it's gross i mean who would give this guy money is this just like rich people like to get screwed, I guess? Well, yeah, there's a screw in everybody on this one. And and the whole thing is, is there's no accountability. I mean, Josh, I know you and me, but I couldn't live with myself. But what was even more disgusting, Newman was actually buying office, commercial office buildings and leasing them back to WeWork. Yeah. And then he said, I quote the We company, <laughs> and he sold it to uh, We uh, for like five or six million dollars. Her name? Wow. But you couldn't make this stuff up. So so my point is, that, you know, the SPAC's been a really bad problem. So uh, it's kind of the exhibit A of uh, bad SPACs. Was, it has to be uh, WeWork. But yeah, so I've documented just over 26, 30 major co- companies have gone bankrupt under, under SPAC ownership. Uh, Ultimista Holdings, American Cloud Technology, App Harvest, Babylon Health, Carlotts. Clarence Therapeutics, Electric Last Miles, all these EV stuff, you know, IronNet, Calera, Lordstown Motors, they're all gone bankrupt. They're all SPACs. And they're all get went, went public with money from mutual funds. Wow. To me, this is criminal. Yeah. Well, Flow aims to create a superior living environment that enhances the lives of our residents 
by developing, acquiring, owning, and managing multifamily apartment buildings and the services and technology inside those buildings. Fulfilling our mission will require an exceptional group of people whose collective output is greater than the sum of its individual parts. You know, they're, they're hiring. If you were a, an attorney, they're hiring attorneys, senior counsel, real estate. Oh, they're hiring a bunch of people. Wow. I cannot believe that anyone would work for this guy. And its uh, website is flow.life. Oh, my goodness. And the website is called Live Life in Flow. Flow state. It should be more like flotsam. <laughs> they're, they're trying to have um, like a more elevated apartment experience. So you get an app, you build a community, you can uh, go to the pool, you can do Pilates, like a club almost. Similar to WeWork, but we work for apartments, it sounds like. Yeah, and then you got you know, then you get Adrian Horowitz to buy into this crap. But the amazing thing, this why uh, these all these venture capital deals, Josh, just so many have gone south. Yeah, I, I do not know why anyone would invest in that. It, as this client might say, it's really easy to gamble with other people's money when it's not yours. No, well, well, you forgot to tie it to your other work with private equity. See, it's not about them making money. It's about them exiting before it goes public. So what these firms do, share it with people. So this isn't A16Z, to my knowledge, they don't lose money in deals. So they know what they're doing. So what, are they, what, are they, what do you think they're doing? It's, well, it's, about, it's about collecting rents, Josh. I mean, this is the whole thing, is, is that there are a lot of these venture capital firms, in, uh, whether you're talking about Sequoia. Now, let's want to talk about stupid bets, okay? And this is a matter of public record. Uh, Sequoia put $225 million into FTX, so Alameda Research. Poof, gone, you know? Yeah, so they don't, they don't always make good decisions. No, but here's what I, my point was. They put in for three fifty, then they do all these other valuations. Yeah. So what would happen is they buy, they buy it for three fifty. dollars Yep. Adam Newman got the money. He got his exit. He might make $100 million on that deal, $200 million. We were in the wrong line of business. Then AZ-16 or A16Z goes to these funds and say, you don't have to invest a lot. You put 1% of your fund into this, 1% of billions and billions of dollars, trillions is a lot of money. And they get slivers and then, then they have an valuation of $4 billion, then they exit. At capital gains rates, Josh, too, you know? So it's just... Uh... You can't beat it, Josh. You figure uh, I, with the private equity firm, I think the average private equity firm has maybe about 1% of their capital tied into it. But as soon as they put a deal together, Josh, they get like a banking investment banking fee of 1.5%. So they're money good right out of the gate. Now the best, you know, the new thing is distressed debt or private credit and things like that. So they all pretty much operate in the same model in real estate, as you know. And so we're, uh, all these companies, Apollo, Apollo Global, KKR, Carlisle, they all make money on the fees. It's a fee-based business. And that's what they're, they're getting annuity income stream for themselves. So that's... Yeah, that's a, that's always funny. Yeah, there's that guy, Ken Fisher, right? He, he says he'd rather die and go to hell than buy an annuity. And then Tom Hegnes says, well, he might just as well or something like that. But the point is, I don't mean to make light of uh, Ken Fisher's eternal state even though he makes light of it with his comment, but his whole business model is to generate fees off of billions of dollars, which is in itself an annuity to them. Oh, yeah. Well, Josh, you know, the whole thing is that this way, I, people go, as you know, uh, Fisher is just a big RIA, so he has to disclose his ADV, and he, he only takes a minimum of a half a million bucks or so, but it's disclosed on his ADV, which gets 125 a point a quarter, 125 basis points for managing money, essentially for just an off-the-shelf fund. Um, so people don't understand is that when you have all this money like he does, is that they, he makes money where it goes up or down. And this is how the, all the asset managers work as well. So the model that Fisher uses is no really no different than private equity or venture capital. Yeah, and, and I don't necessarily think he has a wrong, you know, business or whatever. The, the problem I have is 
that he so denigrates annuities, yet he himself has an annuity for himself. And it, and it's funny, they bought annuities companies too. There was this expose. He was one of the bigger investors in American Equity Life for a number of years, which is a life insurance company that did annuities. Yeah, I, I was the guy to figure that out. He, I think he was the largest shareholder of American Equity Life, which is now owned by Brookfield Asset Management, I believe. Which is another private equity firm, yeah. So that's why people, listener, friends, viewers, if you like what you're hearing, buy Barry's book, Guaranteed Income. He also, he has a bunch of books, Pirates of Manhattan, one or two. I will buy you that book if you call us at 888-988-JOSH for the free review. That's 888-988-JOSH, 888-988-5674. We'll be back after these messages. And we're back with Barry James Dyke. You go to barryjamesdyke.com. It's funny that you're on today and Shohei Otani's contract is in the news and Magic Johnson's in the news. I actually made a thesis that Shohei Otani actually got screwed by the financial engineers because what they're giving him is $2 million a year for 10 years and $68 million a year for the next 10 years. So there's no inflation adjustment. There's no Bobby Bonilla deal. There's no income for life. It's a deal that you would think the Pirates of Manhattan would come up with. And they're going to get the future revenues. Then they're going to sell the Dodgers in 10 years for some ridiculous amount. Now, he did add in the contract that if they sold, he could back out of the deal. And get some buyout, I guess. Have you followed that or the connections between your work? I haven't followed, but I was maybe what did you get seven hundred million. Yeah, but if you go net present value is seven hundred million, it's like three hundred million. Yeah, because yeah, well that that's the way that's the way they're doing it. Um, not that they would, but what happens if they go bankrupt? Because oh, who's the owner prior owner for them before uh, Guggenheim bought them? Um, yeah, McCord. Yeah, so he there. I guess they were they were they were on a banana peel. And they're about ready to go bankrupt. But so what happens if, if they go bankrupt? Which which they could not. I'm not saying they would. Highly unlikely they would. But so we have so we have a lot of these unknown things. But I think the grosser part is that I think which I know we're leading up to. What what does Todd Bowie have to do with the with Los Angeles Dodgers and private equity? And it's all tied in with this stuff. You know, it, it's it's very gross um, when when you look at, at what, what's happening right now. And this is why I had to write Pirates Manhattan 3. Yeah, Guggenheim Baseball Management, this is from sportskeeda.com, includes Todd Boley, Mark Walter of Guggenheim Sports Management, and Magic Johnson, yep. who owns Equitrust. So what does this have to do with your annuity or your companies? Boley owns Eldridge, which owns Security Benefit. Guggenheim owns Delaware Life. Magic Johnson owns Equitrust. And then people might be confused where you'd said, hey, I thought annuities are good. You do not recommend annuities owned by private equity necessarily. So that's, no, run. that's the tie of all of these things in the work of Barry Dyke. Why is it bad? I mean, you get people say, well, access to the private markets gives you more Ability to raise capital. Even if you hear all these, you know, don't we want robust private markets? I'm just playing devil's advocate a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, geez, you sound like an invest. You should have been an investment banker, Josh. Yeah. No, but then you don't yeah, have to be subject to quarterly earnings. They could do these 20 year deals with Otani. Maybe make the they'll make the Dodgers as valuable as the Yankees. Dodgers is a great brand. But it is a great brand, and but I think but having people's retirement money invested in. And and this professional um, sports team is 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 a very imprudent investment. I'm not, I'm, I you know I like uh, professional sports as much as anybody, but but they could say to be fair, they they bought it for two billion, which I thought was a lot of money in 2012. Nothing now. I don't know what the Dodgers will be worth now, but it could be worth ten billion now because they're going to make it the shiny red object with with the greatest baseball player since Babe Ruth. But this is, but Josh, the, the the plunder continues because you know it would. But what did Boho we do in two thousand twenty three, Josh? I don't know. Didn't he sell something else? I forget. No, no, no. no let me. Uh, what he did is they bought the uh, F, uh, Chelsea FC, the uh, the, the oh, British yeah. uh, soccer football club, in a leverage buyout with, with Walter and all the, the same old crew again. 
you know, and and of course they, they're going to be using the the security benefit of portfolio as a lending arm. They call it um, private credit. No, here's my problem because I don't know. You, you always say it's a bad deal. I, I would argue that people's drug of choice now, besides caffeine, is sports. Yes. I mean, when they bought the Dodgers for two billion, people thought it was ridiculous. They might be able to sell the Dodgers eventually for billions more than they paid for it. So uh, my argument, if I was them, was, hey, didn't we do right by our investors? My problem is not private markets. Personally, I, I differ with you a little bit about this. Okay. I don't think private equity is necessarily bad. I think the bad thing is you give your money to these financial firms. If you're investing in XYZ annuity company or a fund with this company, you don't get, unless you're a private owner or you own shares in their private fund, you never get the delta that they make. So if they double their money on the Dodgers or Chelsea FC, they don't give that to the shareholder like a stock, nor do they give it to the annuity owner. They keep it for themselves and they give the annuity person like 4%. That's my problem with all this. It's not really structured in a fiduciary manner to the uh, the person giving. You know, like if, if the insurance company receives some profit by this, because Chelsea FC is a big football club, you know, but... You don't agree with that, but I, I would say the problem is that they are not sharing the benefit with the people who gave them the money that they're going out and then buying these companies with. That's my problem. They're not sharing the wealth. Yeah, and it's not only that, it's the uh, financial shenanigans they get away with, uh, like Bohoe with his Eldridge Industries. They bought the Pizza Hut franchise. And um, did you hear about that? Is Pizza Hut still in business? Um, the, the Pizza Hut, well, actually, they own. Eldridge, so Eldridge Industries, which is the people who, who bought uh, Chelsea FC and uh, the Dodgers, they purchased this company called NPC International, Josh. They did a joint venture with another private firm called Olympus Partners out of uh, Stanford, Connecticut. And then they got the, the Group 1000, okay, which is the uh, old Sun Life portfolio. And they, and they bought this Pizza Hut franchise called NPC International. Mark Walter was on the board of the company. Uh, Tucker Kane, who was on the Los Angeles Dodgers chief financial officer, and Dan Troas, who's the actuary, they bought this company at BC International. They're all this is all matter of public record, and uh, they bought the company, the largest Pizza Hut franchise, and, and leveraged by roughly one billion. And they went bankrupt on July first, two thousand twenty, and I think thirty thousand people lost jobs. And that's why you know I'll be coming out with this in the, in the Pirates Three book. Wow. So, and but my point is, they bankrupt NBC International. Thirty-six thousand people lost jobs. They closed twelve hundred uh, Pizza Hut franchises, and then Bohe and, and his buddies go and buy Chelsea FC. It's uh, what do they call it? Vulture capitalism. Yeah, you know, and, and hey, everyone's going to make a profit. I'll be the first one to, to admit that. But the whole thing is, is that this is people need to hear this. The problem is they buy good American brands. I remember they did this to Brooks Brothers. They buy great American brands. They load them down with debt. Toys R Us. They drive them to the ground. Then one of their other buddies buys the thing for pennies on the dollar and they do it again and again and again. Then they use the losses to create write-offs against their gains. No, it is a problem, I, but I don't know. I don't know what we can do about it other than just educating people to make sure you don't invest in these types of outfits. But uh, well, thank you so much. Concluding thoughts, Barry Dyke. Well, I think they should really, uh, they should read my books, you know, go to barryjamesdyke.com and, uh, I know the two books will be very popular in, in 24. I know that. But also to 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 work with people like Josh, because I know Josh is a good guy. I mean, geez, you were going to be a minister at one point. But I know a guy like Josh really, really cares about people. He has integrity. He understands what's, what's behind the scenes. Most advisors don't, unfortunately. So I think really the best thing really is for people to invest in themselves. But to work with someone like Josh who really cares because he has integrity. A lot of the asset managers, all the lawyering right now, there, there is no integrity. So I trust individuals like Josh. I don't trust a lot of institutions. But um, and thank you so much. I have so much gratitude to uh, being part of your life and being on your show, Josh. No, thank you. Always a pleasure. Barry James Dyke. Get his book, 888-988. Josh, I'll give it to you for free. And I, I just think back to funds. Like if you're investing in index funds or stock funds, I guess read the prospectus to see if the manager buys private equity or not. 
Yeah, I think, yeah, you got to do that. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of advisors, as you know, they're just salesmen. They don't care like you and I do. But I think also you have to remember, Josh, that the stock market was never developed to create income. The job of the stock market is not to uh, create income. It's to allocate capital to see what the maximum use is. It's never been made to uh, generate income. So I think you really, when you understand that the stock market was never meant to do this, then why are people trying to get it to do it something it's not it's not built to do, and nobody is built in. Is, it, is is there a cost to it? Yeah, does it cost anything? But I think if it, you know if, if if it's done right for people, and you and I know, you know, I think I mentioned it going. I I have to go to a funeral tomorrow, unfortunately, uh, to a long term client of mine. He's been a client of mine for twenty years, and he actually has a business down in Jersey and stuff, but. Um, he was actually a, a brilliant guy, you know, and he was one of my biggest annuity clients ever. And this guy was, he was the rivet king, went internationally wow. known about how to make automotive rivets and other kinds of rivets for uh, aerospace and stuff like that. And he was a very, very precise engineer. We used all kinds of annuities to, to create. And actually, the last purchase we did was about, I hate to say it, about eight, nine months ago. And he was very on top of the game. He died when he was 93. And my, my point is, it, he loved his his wife and family so much that he wanted to make sure that it was taken care of. And you know something, that's a that's a wonderful feeling for someone like that because he loved his wife and cared so much. But this is what the banks are doing themselves, and and you'll see this in with the Pirates Three book, Josh. You'll see how Hewlett Packard and IBM are all doing these these things as well. They're doing what in insurance or annuities or both? They're doing both. Yeah, they're doing both. So it's just uh, yeah, Dow Chemical and all. All these, yeah, so they're all using these things to fund their own retirement plans. So, you know me and my research, and but it's it, it's it's really gone through the roof. Wow! So that might be a good place to have some of your savings, life insurance, cash values, because you've done a lot of work more than anybody I think in the country on Boley, which is bank-owned life insurance. And if it's good enough for the banks, it may be. Good enough for people to consider, contrary to Dave Ramsey and some of the other people. Yeah, no, the, you know, he, it's all true. And I think the largest the life insurance claim I ever, I ever saw paid out, Josh, was for, uh, I don't know, you're in Jersey, uh, Comcast. You, you have Comcast down there. Comcast, Roberts, the Roberts family, yep. Yeah. It was about a half a billion dollar life payout. Well, that's the largest life insurance payout that we are aware of. We don't know ones that are involved with trusts or anything like that so no we don't we don't know so but uh, but that's the that's the largest public one and uh, so now you know what why your Comcast rates are so high and you know what's beautiful about the Roberts what I know people who work for the Roberts in Four Seasons Philly and they and they they praise them because they run a very nice ship because they don't have to worry about money because they have that life insurance policy so you know, all the media companies. Are, so, but I'll be getting to how like the New York Times uses annuities and CBS uses annuities and uh, McClatchy uses annuities. And um, wow, this will be interesting. Even USA uses annuities for their, all for their pension plans, Josh. So when the book comes out, you'll see it. You'll be one of the first to hear it. Man, that's amazing. Well, thanks so much. We uh, shall talk soon. Barry Dyke, barryjamesdyke.com. Give us a call 888 988 Josh for the free book. Thanks so much. God bless, Josh.